All right. Good evening, everybody. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, yeah, let's, I'll center it over here. And open up. Normally, I, normally I have an iPad. I couldn't, I, I think one of my kids took it. And so now I'm on my computer. So here we go. I'm going to be speaking from this tonight. I'm going to have fun doing it. And just so you know, uh, when I'm preaching, it's a participation sport. So you can say amen. Or you can get up and run around if you want. Just don't hurt anybody or breathe on anybody or anything like that. But you can go ahead and say amen when you're in church. You can say hallelujah when you're in church. It's okay. All right? So get used to being vocal. Maybe to, maybe just for tonight. But if they don't like everybody being vocal, then I apologize in advance. And don't invite me back. But me and Michael are friends, so it's going to be all right. <laughs> However, tonight we're, you know, you guys have been going through the book of Mark. Are you guys enjoying that? You guys like going through the book of Mark? Hopefully you do because it's the Bible and the Bible is good to learn because it is truth. And tonight we're going to go through Mark chapter 6 and verses 45 through 52. You know, when I was reading this and really beginning to prepare for tonight, it it brought up a lot of memories um, just from the kind of the beginning of my faith because I got saved uh, right when I got out of the military, I did four years in the Coast Guard. So I got out of high school, joined the Coast Guard, did four years in the Coast Guard, got out. And then it was then when I finally decided to really give my life to Christ. I had people bring me to church, friends bring me to church, um, but it wasn't a part of my family. I didn't grow up in a family that went to church. And so it wasn't until I got uh, a little bit later on in life, around the age of 23, when I was 23 years old is when I gave my life to Jesus. And so it's been a great journey, but reading this section of scripture, when we see Jesus walking on the water, reminded me of my, the infancy of my faith. Because when you see a story like this in the Bible, you, you might tell yourself or even ask yourself, is this possible? You ever read a story in the Bible and ask yourself, is that really possible? We do. When you, what about Jonah? When you read about Jonah in the Bible, do you think to yourself, did that really happen? Or when you read about other stories in the Old Testament, you might ask yourself, did that really happen? And when I first got saved, I read the Bible and I believe everything that it says. Because his word is true. That's what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. His words are true, which means his word, the Bible, is true. So I have to believe. If I say I believe in Jesus, it means I believe everything that the Bible says. And so I got saved and somebody gave me that and they told me that, that this Bible here, this is truth. Read it and it will speak to your life and it will speak to your heart and it will address every area in your life that either you're struggling with or even those, those good areas of your life, it will reaffirm and reassure you. And so I remember reading and just starting, I started in the book of John. John was an amazing place for me to start. But I began to ask myself, okay, well, I see a lot of different scripture in the Bible about praying and healing and different types of miracles and things that happen when we pray. And now when we get into Mark in chapter 6, I start reading this story, and it reminded me of about five or six years ago, I was asked to go to pray for somebody at the hospital. Have any of you ever made a, we call it a hospital visit in ministry, right? You ever gone to the hospital and prayed over somebody, believed for them to be made well? Anybody? Can I see show of hands? Anybody ever prayed for anybody who was sick? Okay, that's a good start. 
anybody actually gone to the hospital and prayed? It's a whole new ball game, isn't it? Because you're not just praying from your bed at your house, and you're not just saying, God, heal this person, amen. No, you're walking into the room where the person is physically sick, many times unable to move, sometimes unconscious. And I remember being asked to go do this because I got hired on at a church, and I was overseeing pastoral care, so I had to make all those visits, lots of visits. And I remember going, I remember doubting myself and doubting my faith. I remember thinking, oh man, I don't know if I have that much faith for somebody to get well. I mean, they were, they were, they were unconscious. They had a ventilator in and they weren't breathing on their own. And it was scary. It was really scary. And so I was questioning myself on the whole drive down. However, I did get in the car and I did go and drive there. And I remember getting there and I remember looking and getting in the room and finally thinking to myself, okay, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what to say. Many times, just so you know, when you're in a hospital and somebody's grieving or going through a hard time, you don't really have to say much. Your presence means more than anything. So showing up, I just asked, can I pray? Because she was there, she was sick, her kidneys were failing. And so I just stretched out my hand because I believe the word of God. It says to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And I remember praying, and I, I just prayed. I started praying the word of God over it. The Bible says to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And so that's what we did. We laid hands and we prayed. We prayed for her to be healed by the stripes and the, by the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ. And we believed for her healing and that she would be made well. And I didn't have much else to say because, once again, I was pretty, pretty new in my walk with God, new in this position, right, because this pastor position was so scary to me. And so I went home, and then I went and did church a couple Sundays later. And then I'm coming out, and I'm walking through the foyer one Sunday. And I'm staying high and shaking hands with people in the foyer. And next thing you know, I hear down the other end of the hall that this man, he's kind of running and yelling, Pastor Dustin, Pastor Dustin. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, who is this? What's going on? You, you never know sometimes. It was a large church, so you encounter all walks of life and if somebody's screaming and yelling your name, you just don't know what's going to happen. And so they're running and yelling at me, and I'm like, okay, who is that? And I realized it was the gentleman who called me and asked for prayer and to pray for his wife. And there's somebody walking kind of behind him. And he said, Pastor Dustin, look, my wife, she's well. She's healed. And she came walking in, no longer sick, no longer on a ventilator, no longer needing assistance breathing, and no longer experiencing her kidneys failing. That was a miracle. That was a miracle. And imagine if I would have decided, oh, I got other things to do. I'm not going to show up. Would that miracle have happened? I don't know. I don't, I don't question God. I know he's sovereign. I know he's powerful. I know he heals. I know if his word says it, it happens. It's possible. And so when I pray, I believe for that. And when I read this portion of scripture, it reminded me of having that faith, that childlike faith, that faith that believes anything that the word says. And if the word says it, I believe it. And I believe it's true. And so let's go ahead and let's dig into this portion of scripture. And I pray that it will begin to speak to you just as it's spoken to me and brought up some memories and miracles that I've seen and witnessed and experienced as a believer in Jesus Christ. So if you're there at Mark chapter 6, Let's read verses 45 through 52. And I'm reading the, the ESV. Now, this was right after the feeding of the 5,000. I'm not sure if you guys read that last week or if you guys have read that already. 
So it's interesting because Jesus was now being persecuted. They wanted to, they wanted to, they wanted to take him by force. And so it says immediately he, being Jesus, made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethesda, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they saw him and were terrified. But immediately he, being Jesus, spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded. They were astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, which happened just before this, but their hearts were hardened. So when you read this, you're thinking, okay, why are their hearts hardened? That's kind of what I'm left with when I read that portion of Scripture. Why are their hearts hardened? Well, because they still didn't believe Jesus was God even after the loaves of bread had just happened, even after they had just fed the 5,000. Their hearts were still hardened, meaning they still didn't believe or fully understand that this was the Christ, the Son of the living God. This was God in the flesh, Jesus. And so when we read this, now we have to unpack it a little bit. You've got to begin to really, if you want to start to understand Scripture, you've got to do some, some, you can do some parallel readings is what we call it, right? So you can find this story also in different portions of the Bible and, and some of the different Gospels. You can see this exact story that we just read in John chapter 6 and verses 15 uh, through 21. And then you can also find this story in Matthew chapter 14 and verses 22 through 33. When you read the John account, you'll see that it says right at the very beginning when this story even starts, it says Jesus goes to the mountain because they were going to take him by force. So after they had done the miracles of the 5,000, Jesus was going to be persecuted. They wanted him. They wanted to take him into custody. Who knows what would have happened to him if they got a hold of him, right? But Jesus fled to the mountain. So we see that. And John, which is a little glimpse into the story that you don't see when you read Mark. And then in Matthew chapter 14, we, we also see this story of Jesus walking on the water and coming. But what else do we see? The story that we all talk about, right? Peter walking on water. So that's another significant story that you've probably read or heard about Peter walking on water. But I want to focus not on those stories from the John account or the Matthew account, I just want to focus on Mark because we're going through Mark. And the significance of this story when you read it, I really begin to believe that there's an increasing of our faith that happens when we truly believe who God says he is. If God says he is healer, he is healer, right? I believe that. If the word says it, I believe it, and it's true, amen? If he says, I am your Lord, I believe that. If he says, I'm your king, I believe that, which means I make my petitions known to him. I make my requests made known to him. I thank him for all that he's done and all that he's going to do because faith comes expecting. When you have faith, 
When you operate in faith, when you walk in faith, knowing that he is the son of the living God, that he was God in the flesh and died for my sins, you can walk in faith knowing that he's going to back his word up. So that when it says that when I keep my mind on him, that he'll keep me in perfect peace because I trust in him, I truly believe that he's going to bring me peace, okay? You know, marijuana is illegal now. Marijuana, so many of us and many people smoke marijuana because they're like, I just need to take the edge off, bro. I need to chill out for my day. Why do you need peace from marijuana when God literally is your peace? Amen? He is our peace. He is our rest. He is our Sabbath. And so we don't need to look to the things of this world to meet our need because he is our source. And when we operate in faith, when this story, when I read this, it's really a story that increases my faith personally because I can either doubt or I can walk in faith. And tonight I just want to tell you and remind you, don't let doubt dictate your faith, okay? Don't let doubt creep in and tell you contrary to whatever the word of God might say. You know, I truly believe God reveals himself to us during times of doubt. I believe that because he's not going to leave you astray. God never leaves you and he never forsakes you. So in your time of need, God is not absent. His Holy Spirit literally lives inside of you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit, amen? And because he never leaves you or forsakes you, everything that he offers is always accessible to you at all times. So if he is peace and you need peace, you better pray for the peace of God, amen? That peace that surpasses all understanding that only he can provide. Use your faith. Don't let doubt dictate what you're going to believe or where you're going to go or what you're going to do. Stand on his word and begin to speak it over your life. Now I see when I read this, obviously the disciples doubted, didn't they? I mean, they were doubting. They thought it was a ghost walking on the water. And it said Jesus was actually going to pass by them. Why do you think the scripture said that? Why do you think the scripture said that Jesus was going to walk by, however, the disciples just so happened to see what they thought was a ghost and called on him? And they, they thought, I think, I think that's the Lord. I don't know, but I'm going to call on him. I think Jesus was going to pass by them because he wanted to know that they were going to use their faith and finally believe that this was God. I mean, what other act do you need to understand that it's God? He's walking on water. Right? What more would you, if you saw somebody walking on water and they said they were the Messiah, solid chance I would believe it. Pretty solid chance. Even today, I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of antichrists and false prophets and everything that's going to come before the end of the world. But if somebody walks on water in front of me, they might be the Messiah. If it's Chris Angel, don't believe it. I don't know if you know who that guy is. Absolutely not. Not the Messiah. He does a lot of crazy stuff. But I believe God reveals himself to me in a time where I doubt. And in this moment where these disciples were doubting, where they were in a storm, where they thought that a ghost was coming after them, the Messiah was there instead. And if we look again at verses 49 and 50, let's dive back into that scripture. It says, but when they saw him being Jesus walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Jesus reveals himself to you 
in a time of need. Amen? The disciples were in fear. They were terrified, the scripture said. And Jesus reached out because they called on him. And he said, do not be terrified. I am here. It is I. Because Jesus wasn't going to leave them. He saw their faith. And he responded to their faith. And he comforted them. And it's really interesting, too, that right at the end of the scripture, the moment they believed, the moment they believed it was Jesus, it says, what's it say here? It says, and they were utterly astound, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Okay, it's actually in the John scripture, in the John account. It says, and then they were immediately on the other side. So go back and read the John account. But it's, it's interesting that immediately after their faith was exercised and they finally believed, oh, that is Jesus. Oh, he is going to comfort us. We're, we're freaking out right now. And then they were immediately on the other side. In my mind, that was just an answer to their prayer. They needed to get through that storm. They were drifting. They were wandering. They were freaked out. They were scared and they were terrified. And the moment they said, Jesus... And they reached out, they used their faith, believing that that was the son of the living God, that he was God, and that he could meet their need to quench their fear. They were immediately on the other side and to their destination, the Bible says. God meets our need. God meets our need. And I don't want to say according to your faith, because I don't think that if you have more faith than me, you're just going to get more stuff. I don't, I, don't, I don't believe that. However, I do believe God responds to faith because if my faith is operating in what his word asks me to do, like pray, like fast, worship, right? He inhabits the praises of his people, the Bible says. Do you believe that? I truly believe that. When I'm praying, the Holy Spirit is present. He's in this room inhabiting the praises of his people, meaning, man, if I walk in here depressed, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, amen? He doesn't want that on you. In worship, it just wipes that away. We cannot let doubt dictate our faith. The disciples did, and they had all the way up. Imagine all those different stories that you've already read in Mark. The loaves of bread, all right, and also, what about that other time when they were out on the water? They were freaking out, right? Because it was a storm, and the waves were crashing, and Jesus had to calm the storm for them. And he says, oh, ye of little faith, don't let fear, don't let doubt dictate your faith, because if that doubt creeps in, and it's contrary to what this word says, it's a lie, and it's not true, and I choose not to believe it. Faith, it really is, it's kind of like a muscle, isn't it? You've maybe heard that terminology before. Huh? Faith, it's, it's like a muscle because the more you operate and step out in boldness for Christ, you'll realize that you're empowered because there's power from the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. The same power that what raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. What else does the Bible say? He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think, according to what? That power that's on the inside of you. Amen? What you will, another portion, I think it's in Luke, it's in uh, 24. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, go and wait and tarry. So tarry, wait for me in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That power is the Holy Spirit, and he's living inside each and every one of you. 
That's the boldness that you need to step out in faith. Not by your own account and your own accord, but through the power of God inside of you. That is what gives you the strength to move on and to press through those hard times, to reach out and be bold and pray for somebody at the hospital or a family who needs prayer. Because so many of us, we have a prayer opportunity. You know, you might be at the grocery store and somebody's complaining about not feeling well or being sick, and you might think, man, I should pray for that person. And then you don't. I'm guilty of it too. I'm not, no condemnation here, all right? Isn't that true though? That's, that's real life. Or maybe a family member, a family member that doesn't go to church, they know you go to church, and they're kind of start opening up and sharing with you some personal things in their life. And then instead of praying for them in that moment, we're like, oh yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be praying for you. No, I just, okay, I just do that, whatever. I do that sometimes. Not, no, but I know you wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. No, but we do that sometimes because we're afraid to pray in the moment because we're worried about what they're going to think. When in reality, God is just saying, be bold. Be strong. That power of God is living inside of you to make a difference and to share the love of Christ with that person, with that family member, somebody who truly needs to encounter God. Faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, it grows. So the more you step out in boldness and faith, God will empower you to do that because he has called you to make a difference, right? The Bible says to go, therefore, into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's an action. That's a command. That's not sit back at home and pray in my rocking chair. That's go and make a disciple. God is asking us as believers to share his word. And that takes faith. That takes boldness. That takes action. And these disciples were so afraid that many times they didn't, they, they didn't do anything because they were scared. Like many times, like they were, remember when they were feeding the, the people before this, the 5,000? They were thinking, oh, Jesus, hey, uh, we don't have enough fish and enough bread. And Jesus was like, here you go, go hand it out. Imagine having those loaves and fish being like, uh, wow, ooh, 12, 5,000, Jesus. And he just said, no, go and start passing it out. It took faith on behalf of the disciples to go and actually hand it out. How many of you would just be like, nope, <laughs> nope, I'm not going to look like a fool in front of all these people. It took faith to actually obey the command from Jesus and do it. But when we use our faith, it's kind of like a muscle. Like when you're in the gym, who, who loves to go work out? Anybody else in here like working out? Okay, you don't get muscles if you don't work out, right? It's, it's contrary. We build like stuff that I don't appreciate. <laughs> I eat, you know, lots of donuts and other things and I pack that on. But when you go to the gym, if you choose to work your muscles, they grow. But it takes work. It takes commitment, doesn't it? And it's the same with our faith. It's like a muscle. It takes commitment to actually step out and to have our faith grow and to be bold for Jesus. It's not just going to grow sitting back doing nothing. Just like if you don't go to the gym, you're not going to grow. Your muscles won't grow. I believe it's the same with our faith. We get more bold. And we're unashamed and unafraid to share the gospel with people when we just step out knowing that Jesus, is, his Holy Spirit is in us, empowering us to share the good news. You know, you might be asking yourself, well, well, what is faith? I mean, what is it? Is it just, 
is it, you know, so many people, they put the blindfold on and they, and they take the step or they do the, the trust fall. And they're like, oh, I believe you're going to catch me. Is that faith? I mean, in a sense, sure. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things that are hoped for and the evidence of things that are unseen. If faith is the substance of what I'm hoping for, and I'm hoping for a lot of things in prayer, amen, anybody else? If faith is the substance of what I'm hoping for, what is the substance that makes your car go? Gas. Is your car going to go if you don't have gas? I could hope all I want right now to go to the grocery store. However, if my car is on E with no gas, I will not get there. I could pray all I want. But there's no substance in that vehicle, and it's going nowhere. That's what our faith is like. Faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. It's that fuel to the fire. It's the fuel to your faith. Faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. It's everything inside of you, believing the word of God, praying for it, and believing it will come to pass. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Do you want to build strong faith muscles? Begin to listen and read and hear the word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Are you reading your word? Are you reading the Bible? How do you build your faith? Right here. Faith, turn on a podcast. Listen to the audio Bible. Faith comes by hearing the word, amen? And I kind of feel like they say faith comes by hearing because there's other portions in scripture that talks about meditation. You guys have heard of, have you guys heard of biblical meditation or what it means to meditate on the word, right? If you look at like the Hebrew meaning of the word, like when you go back to Joshua chapter one and verse nine, it talks about meditating on his word day and night. It's actually, it's not sitting there in a trance with your legs folded thinking of nothing. That's not what meditating is. No, it's actually to quietly speak. To quietly speak. So if I'm going to meditate on God's word and that's the substance and that's what I'm going to be hearing, if I'm going to fuel my faith, I better be meditating on the word of God. Amen? What scriptures do you have inside of you that, that you're equipped with to encounter the daily obstacles that life is going to throw at you? Because when I'm driving, I, can, I tend to get angry sometimes, I'll be honest. Somebody cuts me off, you know, I might lose my salvation for like five minutes. I might lose, that's not sound theology, at least from what I believe. Somebody cuts me off, I might get angry, okay? However, how do I get over that anger? Man, I pray Isaiah 26, 2 and 3 over my life that he will keep me in perfect peace if I keep my mind on him because I trust in him. Amen? Because where am I going to go to quench that anger? God, because he's my peace. His Holy Spirit's my comforter, my helper in a time of need. Our faith ultimately brings glory to God. Your faith brings glory. Your faith in him and believing in his word and acting out and following what his word asks us to do, it brings glory to God. When I prayed for that lady in the hospital, it wasn't to go exercise my faith and let him know that Pastor Dustin's here to save the day. It was, it was me to go in the name of Jesus under his authority and his name, because under his name, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. So I believe that sickness and disease will bow to the name of Jesus, amen? And when I go in his authority, believing in his word and what he says about it, 
It brings him glory. What's the purpose of a miracle? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why did the storm stop when Jesus told it to when they were in there? That was a miracle. Why were they, were the, was their fear quenched in that moment and they were comforted in that time of need in Mark chapter 6 that we just read? That's a miracle. When your fears will literally just vanish the moment your anxiety come and it will vanish in a moment, that's a miracle if you ask me. It's because that's what God brings. But what is the purpose of that miracle? You ever thought about what, why do people get healed? Why do people who get in an accident live instead of die? And then they, they go on to tell about the good things. It's because every miracle is supposed to glorify God. I truly believe when a miracle happens, the only purpose of that miracle is to glorify God. It doesn't glorify the person who was sent. It wasn't because Pastor Dustin has so much dang faith that he got healed. It was simply because in that moment, God knew that that miracle would glorify him and nobody else. That's the faith we have to operate in, knowing that this isn't for me. It's for the other person on behalf of God and in the name of Jesus. Our faith brings glory to God. In verse 51 of this scripture that we're reading in Mark chapter 6. Verse 51, it says, And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. They were utterly amazed. They were utterly, utterly marveled at the fact that Jesus could do what he just did. They were in awe. When you ascribe awe to something, you're glorifying something, amen? The, that's what the disciples were doing in that moment. Their faith, believing in Jesus, and the fact that he could do what he just did, they were glorifying him in that moment. And I believe that's why that miracle happened, because God knew that it was going to leave them in awe. And they truly just might, they just might finally begin to understand what his purpose was on this earth. Because you read all throughout the Gospels, they didn't fully understand why he was here. He kept having to tell them, I'm here, I'm here. And then finally, Peter's like, oh, I got it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Our faith brings glory to God. And that's the last thing that I want to leave you with here tonight. Because there's nothing that we do to glorify ourselves, Or at least there shouldn't be. You know, we don't want to have a big church in our name and look how cool we are. No, it's like every seat represents a person. I hope and pray that pastors don't think that, that it's just a number, right? I like seeing big numbers because I truly believe a number is a person. I don't believe a person is a number, okay? But I know that when people hear the word of God and when, when you just preach it like it is and when you share it with somebody in faith and boldness, God will show up in that moment. You might not know the work that Jesus will do in that moment through you to change somebody's life. So if you get that prompting from the Holy Spirit, I pray you'll listen and you'll respond. And watch your faith grow, amen? Amen. I'd like to pray with you before I go. I truly believe that the only way to operate in this faith that I'm talking about tonight is to first have faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so many of us, we go through life and we might question whether or not 
you're saved or I'm saved. You, we have questions because we doubt, don't we? And doubts and fear get in the way of our faith and our walk with God. But you need to understand that every word in this Bible talks about your security the moment you call on his name because it says it's by grace through faith alone that you are saved. Not anything else. You can't do anything else to be saved. It's simply through your faith and because of the grace of God that you are saved. Nobody can tell you you're not saved. God knows your heart. And it says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he died and rose again, then you will be saved. I want to pray for you. I want you to know this Jesus that I'm talking about. I want you to know that your faith is enough because all you need is faith to secure your eternity and to be with him one day in his presence where the Bible says there is no pain, there is no suffering. He will wipe away every tear. There is no sin, there is no shame, there is no guilt. That's how good our God is. So today, if you need that, I want to pray with you right now. Let's just pray all together. If you could bow your head, everybody in this room. And let's have just everybody repeat after me. And I want to know who I'm praying for. Can I see a hand if I'm praying for you tonight? I just want to know specifically who I'm praying for. I see you. Who else am I praying for? Amen. Who else am I praying for? Anybody else? That's good. Amen. I see your hands. Guys, you can put them down. With our head bowed and our eyes closed right now, I want to pray with you and everybody in this place. Just repeat after me. Let's pray it together. Say, Father, oh, you can be bold. Come on. We just talked about faith, everybody. Let's go. Father. In the name of Jesus, I come to you. I give my life to you. I call you Lord. I call you Savior. I call you King. Forgive me of my sins. I am a new creation through your Son, Jesus Christ. I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. In your name we pray. Amen.